Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. When we read the scripture readings for this weekend, it appears that they speak about the end times, the end of the world, and how appropriate as we finish this liturgical year. In a few weeks, we'll celebrate the beginning of Advent, which is the beginning of a new liturgical year. Now, turn to the first reading from the prophet Malachi. Notice what he says. Lo, the day is coming, blazing like an oven, when all the proud and all evil doers will stumble. And the day is coming, will be set on fire, leaving neither root nor branch, says the Lord of hosts. Well, with that in mind, go into the gospel. Jesus says, All that you see here, the days will come when there will be nothing left. A stone upon a stone will not be thrown down. Well, the readings seem to be somewhat frightening. But people for centuries on end have been fascinated by the end of the world. From the predictions of Nostradamus to the most recent apocalyptic literature, the most widely known is the Left Behind series, which is a series of books that was written several years ago. Based upon the biblical works of Revelation and the prophet Daniel, predicting what will happen at the end of the world and what we can expect. And so, how are we to understand this weekend's readings? Well, what we have to realize is the first century Christians were very much interested in the end of the world. In fact, many of them believed that they would see the second coming of Christ within their own lifetime and the end of the world. Paul was a great proponent of this. Paul believed that he would see the second coming of Christ in his lifetime. In fact, if you look at the very early letters of Paul, he wrote about this. Go to Thessalonians. Chapter 4, verse 17, Paul writes, It is in the nature of the second coming that the living Christians are reunited with those who have died. Well, later in subsequent letters, Paul kind of softens that tone. He no longer is sure that the second coming will appear in his lifetime, but Paul believes it will come. And so his message is still the same. We all must be prepared. And it wasn't just Paul. Many of the apostles thought they would see the second coming during their lifetime. That's why the apostles were constantly jockeying for positions of power in the event that Jesus came back and set up a new administration. Remember the story of James and John's mother. She asked Jesus, Allow my sons, one to sit on your left and the other on your right, in your new kingdom. Look at Jesus right before he ascends back into heaven The apostles ask him, point blank, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And so we can see how prevalent the mindset of the second coming was for the first century Christians. Now, fast forward to the gospel. What's going on right now? Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. 
he has come into the city and he knows his mission and his life is near an end. Now, many of the people have seen Jesus and they see that he is the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is doing, therefore, precisely what Messiahs do. They would come into the city of Jerusalem and like all past kings, starting with David, they would take control of Jerusalem, the capital city, and begin to rule over all of Israel. Now, we can only imagine what the apostles are feeling like. For years, they walked, they talked, they ate, drank, and lived with Jesus. Better yet, they watched how the crowds became enthusiastic with Jesus' appearance. Well, the apostles, like many of the others, believe, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, but the political and the military Messiah. Jesus, we see, he makes his way to the temple in the gospel story. Now, why the temple? Yes, it is the spiritual center of Israel, but it's also the political and economic epicenter of the country. It's where power and money, where deals are done. Well, Jesus and the apostles now stand in front of the temple. The temple is no ordinary building. It's the grandest and the most beautiful building in all of Jerusalem and even the entire nation of Israel. As we learn from the very beginning of the gospel passage, it's ordained with votive offerings. It's covered in gold and jewels. And yet, what does Jesus say to his apostles? All this will pass away. It'll be destroyed. Now, that's not what people expect to hear. In fact, it's just the opposite of what people want to hear. Now, it's important to remember, for centuries on end, the Israelites hoped and prayed for a Messiah, a political and military Messiah, like King David, that restored Israelites to the economic and military superpower it used to be under King David. Well, Jesus is now thought to be that Messiah by the people. He comes into the capital city, and the people think to claim his throne. More to it, he goes to the temple. Now realize the temple was built by the Israelite people. It was an icon of the Israelite nation. Instead of being the spiritual center, it turned into a place where power and greed and politics and economics thrived. Israel put their whole hope, as worse yet their faith, into the things of this world, power, greed, economics, materialism. And so Jesus, thought to be that person of power, is standing in front of that icon of power in Israel. The most powerful image of Israel is the temple. And notice what Jesus says, it'll be torn down. It won't last forever. Now, a good analogy to help us fathom what this really means is to stand in front of the White House in Washington, D.C. And Jesus comes up to us and says, this will all be torn down. It won't last forever. Now, our first instinct is to say, what, are you kidding me? And then we'll be shocked. When we look upon the White House, it's not just a place where our president lives. It stands for power, for freedom. It stands for the freedom in the American way of life. Well, now, if it's being torn down, All that is being threatened. Now, if you are a Jew living in the first century and Jesus says that the temple will pass away, you would feel absolutely shocked. The temple stands for all the things in this world that attract our attention. 
Now, fast forward to the 21st century in which we live in. What are the things that attract our attention? Probably the same things that attracted the attention of the people in the first century. Fortune, fame, honor, power, whatever it is, all those things we may stand in awe at, just like the apostles are doing now. It's a basic biblical truth. Fame, fortune, power, beauty, honor will eventually all pass away. They'll fade. They won't last forever. And this is why we can't rest our life or base our life on these things, the attractions of this world. We must make sure that our lives are properly orientated, such that God and God alone is at the center of our life. See, when that happens, God will never pass away. He will always remain with us for all of eternity. When God is the ultimate good in our life, then we're able to relate to all the things properly in this world. They won't get the best of us. But just the opposite holds true. When we stand in awe of those things of this world, whatever attracts us, power, money, materialism, beauty, fame, we make them now the center of our life. Then our life becomes disordered. Now again, appreciate the significance of the event in this gospel story. Jesus is at the end of his life and mission. It's fast approaching. He comes into Jerusalem, swept up by this wave of enthusiasm by the apostles and the other people. The people want him to claim his power as well as his throne. And yet Jesus, he pulls the rug right out from underneath their expectations. Yes, he is the Messiah, and yes, he will save us. But he's not the warrior Messiah that everyone expected to save the world through violence and thirst for power. Instead, Jesus will save us when he mounts the cross. Now notice, Jesus continues. He says there will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place. Well, when we align our life to the life of Christ, expect storms. Now, how appropriate during this time of year, in November, when the days are growing shorter, the nights are growing longer, we expect storms, and Wisconsin expects snowstorms. And yet, spiritually speaking, when we orientate our life to Jesus, when he's the center of our life, yes, expect sometimes there are going to be storms in our life. Why? Well, do we have some desires that are focused on the things of this world? And why not? We're only human beings. Maybe we say to ourselves, you know, I just wish I had a bigger house in order to accommodate my family. Or we say, you know, I just wish I made more money so that I could retire earlier. Or I just wish I was a little bit more popular. Well, don't expect those desires to go away quietly. Expect a battle. Those old desires don't want to release us. From their control over us. But notice what Jesus says at the end. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. Good. That's very good. We persevere with and in faith. We know Jesus is our place of safety. He is the source of eternal life. He is the person that will never fade away, that will be with us for all of eternity. Despite the fact that the things of this world will fade away, God's presence in our life never will. Paul puts it the best. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And I think that's the heart of the message for the readings for this weekend. One last thing to think about. Go back to Malachi. He talks about burning away all the things. But notice what he says at the very end. But for you who fear my name, there arise the Son of Justice with its healing rays. Well, if we make God the center of our life, then we will always feel God's healing rays upon us. And then we will find true peace and fulfillment in life. And that will never, ever fade away or be taken away from us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.